Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if a story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Welcome, listeners, to episode 41 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking of pets is barely enough. Through the magic of technology, you have found we two humbling, bumbling podcasters in your ear holes. So sit back and relax, and let's talk about pets. I woke up this morning and realised that I'm not actually Bon Jovi, Bon Scott, or even Bon Appetit. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton, and the man across from me is not Carl Lewis, Wally Lewis, or even Duckworth, Duckworth Lewis. So he must be Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? <laughs> Good, Robbie. I like that. There are a lot of famous Lewises. Oh, Lewis yeah. Carroll? I could have gone up with Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll, yeah. Yeah, that's about as far as Carl Lewis. Did you say Carl I said, Lewis? I got Carl you Lewis. got Carl Lewis yeah, in yeah. yeah. Many famous Robbies. Uh, Robbie Williams. Robbie, very famous. Yeah, you yeah. You've got a voice like Robbie Williams. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Perhaps not the looks, but no, it's a podcast. Oh, okay. we were, when we were in England, I um, that was... Uh, I'd have a lot of um, people go, like especially um, Americans, they go, oh, what's your name? Robbie. Robbie, is it like like Robbie Williams? Oh, you mean like Robbie Williams? I said, yeah, but from now on, just don't mention Robbie Williams. I've had enough. Yeah, when I was at high school, I had um, there was one uh, like there was a Robbie in the year level above me. Yeah, uh, all the way through. So year seven, yeah. year eight, all the way through. Finally, this guy psh, buggered off. When yep. he, once he'd finished year twelve, I was head Robbie. Yeah, I was Robbie A, number one Robbie yep. A, right? Yeah. Yeah, but then this really cool year 10 kid came in that's name was Robbie and he played football and he surfed and everything. It's like, oh, so then everyone knew him. It's like... So, so was it like the cool Robbie and the daggy Robbie? Was yeah. there like something else? Like the, the, Robbie A and Robbie B? The, 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 the fat, smart kid Robbie. Yeah, that, that was a, that was as far <laughs> as I the, got. The surfer know. was fat, mate, was he? Oh, no, no, no. This, this dude was ripped. He was year 10. He had looked like, looked like Carl Lewis. Um, yes. All right. So anyway. Now, update, we, our listeners, mate, we yes. update on our listeners... We now have 57 countries worldwide listening into us. Shut the front door. So shout out to everyone out there. Hello, wow. everyone. A quarter, nearly a quarter of the world is listening to us. Holy crap. Talk about our names and famous people. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And Why gonna, are you listening? Later we're going to talk about dog poo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And anal glands and all things like that. Fun things. Awesome. Yeah. And Robbie's got this really cool story about this bird oh, that mate. flew through the window. Well, tell me about what was mate, it again? So, so I was driving down the road. <laughs> <laughs> so... so a quarter of the world, mate. Seven listeners in Madagascar every week. Every week? Same seven. They're loving Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Shout think, out to you guys. You don't think it's just the one phone, like the one person that's downloaded it, you know, and just on seven, seven times. different phones. Seven, well, yeah, isn't it? You, you practice something seven times, you get really good at it. Isn't that what it is? Oh, I don't know, mate. We're up to spot episode 41. I still haven't worked out how to do a decent intro. I <laughs> know, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we did have seven goes at it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that last take is like, nah, that's it. I'm not doing it again. And speaking of runners, Carl Lewis, you know, good runners. We've got five people, Trinidad Tobago, listening. Wow. Yeah, so Atto Bolden. Is that Bolden, the runner from Trinidad and Tobago? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, might yeah, be. Yeah, Shane sure. Bolt was Jamaican. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Atto Bolden was the one quite a while ago. Atto, yes. Yeah, Alto, Atto, Atto. 
Atto Bolden. Both anyway, of them. Both he's of not them. listening. No, no, no. Yeah. He runs too fast. Yeah, he's not worried about getting his name wrong. He's not, he's not listening to the podcast while he's running because his run's done in 9.8 seconds. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. Excellent. <laughs> All righty. Now, we, we, we've got an interview coming up, so we've got to keep moving, haven't we, yes, mate? Yes, yeah, yeah. We've got, to, we've, got to be, we've got to be succinct this week. Exactly. So, big shout out to our sponsors. Thank yes. you very much. We, um, of course, our number one. We're perhaps number one sponsor this week, is it? We go, we yeah. go with, with Clint, number one, because we're interviewing Clint. Big Clint Udelman. Dr. Clint Udelman from uh, Insight Mobile Vet Diagnostics. He's a mobile internal medicine veterinary specialist, Lewis. He comes to your clinic. So, your vet rings up and says, Dr. Clint, I need some help. And Clint says, I'll be there in a jiff. Comes with his ultrasound, his endoscopes, his magic needles and his massive brain to come in and to solve problems for you and your pet. He's at the pointy end, isn't he, mate? We're, we're down at the bottom of the triangle. Yes. He's up the pointy end, he's where it's at. well up the pointy yeah. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's at the cold face yeah. of the cool stuff that happens in the world of being an internal medicine vet. Exactly, exactly. And then also we've got, uh, or you can check him out on insightmvd.com.au. Or on Facebook if you want him to come out and help with your pet's problem. Yes, and Maybe have a listen down. later on in the episode because we've got a nice big interview with Clint coming yes, good right stuff. up. And also Prime 100 Dog Foods yes. uh, are on board. They've got single protein diets for dogs and cats. Australian they've, made. Yes. Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne, Melbourne based, made, yep. yes. Uh, they've, got, they've got some dry foods, single protein diet dry foods out there. And also the single protein treats. Um, and uh, the, the, the adult... Uh, the adult foods are for dogs and puppies and are a rich single source of protein which can assist some dogs with food sensitivities. Yeah, excellent. So, so check it out, everyone. And then, of course... And cats as well. Yes, yes. They've got food for cats. Yes, cats and dogs. Yeah. And, of course, then Zilkeen, which is uh, my favourite... Uh, uh, behavior supplement that, that's out there at the moment um, for all those slightly anxious cats or dogs, whatever it might be. Or kids pretending to be cats. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, not that we're advocating feeding no, to don't, children. Don't, don't give it to your kids. But, yeah. but if you had a cat, or if your cat was pretending to be a kid, yes, and that was stressing them out, right? Yeah, okay. Or if you're anxious as to where exactly this episode's going, <laughs> maybe you might want to get on some Zilkine. Alrighty, fantastic. Let's hit up with the disclaimer, so mate. All advice on this show is general in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information, but as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing, please let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarification. Lewis, bring us in. Wow, mate. Well, this week, as we already said, we sat down with internal medicine specialist Dr. Clint Yuleman, and we discussed some very curly medicine topics, mate. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, being our first oh, celebrity, I guess, on the show. Consistently on TV was Clint Udelman. Yes. It was a while ago, but he was definitely a reality TV star. Star! Yes. Definitely. definitely. First loser, but a star. Star. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess after Charlie Pickering was a no-show, uh, mate, unfortunately. No, no, no. Your efforts. Dead to me. Dead to me, Pickering. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're both a little bit nervous <laughs> being amongst a celebrity. But but Zilkin, no, we didn't take Zilkin. No. <laughs> but somehow we managed, and it might have something to do with that delicious choc mousse cake. That the chocolate mousse cake may have held some, uh, yeah, just helped to calm us down a little bit. Maybe, certainly, maybe you'd add a little bit of uh, milk powder, well, some Zilkin in there, a little, little bit of alpha cazozapine in there, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, or even maybe even the pea and hemp oil from from the Prime One Hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered why I felt a bit tingly. Yes. I thought it was weird when we were talking to Clint. He had that big purple worm coming out of his head. Yeah, so. and it did go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, alrighty, let's roll the tape. 
All right, listeners, do we have a sweet treat for you now? Join us in the pod cave. We have Dr. Clint Udelman. Clint is part of the culinary behemoth that is my cousin Pescatore, known the world over for their rousing and gladiatorial battle in the furnace of the first season of My Kitchen Rules here in Australia, where they came second. Uh, uh, Somehow he also managed to string together enough contact hours to graduate with honours from the University of Melbourne Vet School in 2009 before heading to Bris Vegas for a rotating internship for a year, then returning back to his spiritual heartland of Melbourne to take up residency at the large and busy private referral hospital in Melbourne. 2015, Clint Satin passed his exams for the fellowship in the small animal medicine uh, chapter with the Australian College, Australian and New Zealand College of Veterinary Scientists, which means we can now call him a specialist. Now Clint has fitted out the van, filled it up with all sorts of awesome gadgets, Gadgets and called himself Insight Mobile Veterinary Diagnostics, allowing him to provide a mobile internal medicine service, allowing vets and pet owners to get an internal medicine specialist to their clinic to perform endoscopy, ultrasonography, and other tricky procedures to help out with perplexing head-scratching medicine cases. Clint now spends his days windows down, arm on the roof, driving to vet clinics around Melbourne, the Mornington Peninsula and Belrain Peninsulas of Victoria, answering the call when someone shines a bat signal into the sky and needs some mobile mobile internal medicine diagnostic insights into a tough case but he joins us here today clint how you going mate very well thank you and yourselves very good mate good 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 to have you on the show finally it's been a long time in in coming and uh and it's it's great to have you here today yeah thank you very much for having me and uh i do have to say that was the best introduction about uh, me and uh, my past that I've heard in a very long time. So that's right, mate. I'm available for you for any yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, your fortieth and that sort of stuff uh, when it comes around. I'm quite happy to MC that, yeah. Well, you think he's forty? I thought he's thirtieth, mate. That's a bit rich. Uh, 30th, yeah, yeah, thirtieth, the twenty-first, twenty-first, twenty-first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Alrighty, mate. So I guess we'll start where it all began. What, what, what? Well, we've got on the running sheet what got you into surgery, but clearly we're, uh, we're you're an internal medicine specialist. Little, uh, little, um, little glitch on our end. But what got you into internal medicine? What, what, why are you so passionate about that that sort of area? Yeah, internal medicine, I guess, provides two important things for me, and that is it's both interesting and challenging. So I wanted to get into an area of work that was always going to keep me on my toes and, and present some challenges in my career going forward. I didn't want to get too comfortable and stuck in my ways. Yeah, right. always challenging in terms of solving these complex medical cases, you know, where animals are sick and vets or numerous vets have had to go at trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, and right. It's just being able to provide that resolution or the answer or to get, you know... a, a a tricky case solved and a, hopefully a happy owner yeah. and a happy pet. Do you remember a, a, an exact point, Clint, when that were, when that penny dropped? Like, do you remember the time? Was there a, a certain time where you thought, yeah, hang on, this is my jam? Or was it something where you're going, hang on, I don't like this and I don't like that and I do kind of... Is there a specific case that made you think, yeah, bang, that's what I want to do? Yeah, there is a point in time. I think it was during my final year as a veterinary student that the sort of the penny dropped and it was a bit of what I didn't want to do and also what I truly loved. And I often get a lot of students asking as they do, you guys too, how did you end up where you ended up? And I often tell them that, you know, eventually the path that you want to follow will become very clear to you, whether it's whether you're an undergrad student or even as a new grad practising you'll eventually work out where you want to go. But for me, I couldn't end up in surgery, even though the first question was, how did you end up as a surgeon? 
because my vertebral column's not made well for uh, standing long periods of time in, in, a, in a position. You know, got a bit right. of a dodgy back, you a could weak, say. Weak spine, mate. Weak that's, spine. that's not good. A Cu- couple of bulging discs, yeah, don't help that. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. And I, I like, again, to use my brain more, more, not more so, but a little bit more than using my hands to fix problems. So, Is that saying that surgeons don't use their brains there, Clint? Uh, I'm just, just reading between the lines there. I'm just, no, no, yeah, no. Our listeners want to know, mate. Yeah, it's hard hitting the hot button topics here. There's no implications about that at all, but they tend to use their hands more than their brains, as we tend to use our brains more than our hands. Oh, well dug out of that one, mate. So, <laughs> so why you know, you're obviously you're a mobile specialist. You're driving around Melbourne to all, all the different clinics around the place. What what chose you to be become a sort of mobile specialist uh, and come and help us out at our clinics? Yeah, I, I used to work at a referral centre for almost eight years and thoroughly wow. enjoyed that. Yeah, right. But I just felt it was a, change, a bit of a change in landscape and I saw a bit of a gap in the market about getting out to clinics. And I'm very passionate about getting out to the wider veterinary community, A, to help the patients and the animals, but also B, to try and help pass on some knowledge and experience to veterinarians as well. So just to aim to sort of provide a bit of a ability so they can see what a specialist does to sort of remove that barrier between a vet and a specialist and just to sort of bring it all together. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I really I think I love about you is yeah, certainly if I've got any questions I can you know give them to you on the spot, you know, even if I've got another case that, that you know you're not seeing that day. And also then you send an awesome report to us. It's you know, it's literally almost as soon as I get to check the emails after you walked out the door, bang, there's an email there and um and you know, it gives me a bit of an idea, something to talk to the client about and um, or the owner about, I suppose. Yeah. And um and, and really know what, what's going on with the pet. So uh, I guess today we wanted to talk a little bit, uh, so Robbie and I were trying to pull up uh, you know, what we want to talk with you, but I think the big thing is inflammatory bowel disease in, in dogs and cats. Um, so just can you give us a bit of an idea of what sort of clinical signs we're looking at for, for uh, dogs and cats that have got inflammatory bowel disease? Mm. Inflammatory bowel disease, I'd say, is probably the most common cause of these signs in, in dogs and cats. So typically it's an animal that's not eating, vomiting, yeah. having diarrhoea, or losing weight they're sort of the four sort of obvious and, and sort of most common clinical signs that the condition has it comes down to you know, what does the gastrointestinal tract do you know yeah. you got to eat it digests and then it comes out the other end so if there's a problem with any of those things you kind of all right we've got to go looking around yeah, there you know yeah it's pretty straightforward it gives you the signs straight away that's right you know where yeah. you've got to go look i mean there's other stuff you've got to try and realize but that's pretty uh yeah, when there's a problem with that tube, then you got to go, yeah, got to go yeah, working out yeah. what's uh, what's wrong with it. So, you know, when you're saying vomiting, you know, because I mean, vomiting is something that we often have people coming in and talking to us about in the clinic, and people are sitting there saying, "So, yeah, my cat vomits, my dog vomits, but does that mean that there's something bad going?" Do you have a bit of a rule of thumb, Clint, for? how much vomiting is too much or when it's time to sort of call in the cavalry? Yeah, I guess the first thing about vomiting and important as a vet for us is to be able to distinguish between vomiting and regurgitation. Because, yeah, good point. you know, particularly for pet owners who are great listeners to this podcast, if they just see the product, the material on the floor, but not the action. And uh, they take a photo and send it to Take a photo and yeah. send it to Better than bring it in the bag or in the Tupperware <laughs> yeah. container. Yeah, vomiting in a bag's not good, Tech, is it? Technology's <laughs> helped us a little bit these days. But we only need one shot of it, don't we? We don't need yeah, 13 yeah, correct, shots of correct. each angle. W- one will do. <laughs> this is with a different filter. <laughs> Sepia filter here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, distinguishing between the two because you're looking for a different body system or a different part of the gastrointestinal tract. Regurgitation is obviously esophageal, 
and vomiting is obviously stomach or uh, the the small intestine, the upper right. small intestine. So right. that, that's the important distinction, I think, first, because you can miss the diagnosis if you're not fed the correct or don't ask the right questions to get the right part of it. Yeah, right. Um, so with yeah. the vomiting, is a full, you know, full body sort of motion to it, isn't there? Real retching and the abdomen moves and all that sort of stuff. Whereas the dry rich, it just kind of appears. Like, you know, yeah. Sorry, not a dry rich, a, uh, a regurgitation. It just appears, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly, very just spontaneous, and yeah. often, sometimes, you know, typically a sausage-shaped, undigested yeah. material. Okay, so if we worked out, yeah, look, it is vomiting we're doing, and I guess this particularly maybe more for cats, because often you get the owners that have mm. got a cat that's the occasional mm. vomitor, mm. it's fur balls, it mm. eats too fast. You know, what's your sort of thought on? At what stage do we say no? Look, I think this cat's actually got a vomiting problem mm. and something we need to investigate. Um, when when is that? Is that you know is that once a vomit once a month or is it you know six months? What what are we sort of looking at there? I guess my cutoff I generally use is once a month. Right. If an animal's vomiting more frequently than once a month, there's a problem there and it needs investigation. Okay. Anything between one to two months, it's a bit of a discussion about maybe we investigate or maybe we do some trials. Anything less often than once every couple of months, it's probably an animal who's going to vomit a couple of times a year. I'd probably say more so dogs because they're more likely to eat things that uh, you know aren't part of their typical normal diet and so they may have the odd vomit. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting point about cats and furballs and it depends who you speak to, but there's a couple of interesting perspectives on furballs and cats. And some people think that cats vomiting furballs is a pretty frequently is a relatively normal thing, whereas yep. others tend to feel that that's potentially a sign of something chronically wrong with the bowels, like an underlying inflammatory bowel disease. Put, sit out there, get out there, put your head out there, mate. What's your sort of thought on it? When, you know, when is it is vomiting the hairball stuff or... Um, you know, do you, do you sort of think if a cat brings up a hairball once a month, is that okay? Or you still say once a month vomiting, that's that's not okay. We need to have a bit of an examination. Yeah, if a cat's just bringing up a hairball, let's say once a month, it's probably about okay. But right. if, if they're bringing up a hairball every couple of weeks or something like that, I'd probably say, yes, it's normal to bring up hairballs, but maybe the frequency is a bit of a concern and let's go looking for something right. underlying okay. it. Okay, so we've got the cat in, or cat or dog in, you know, they've got some of these signs that you talk about of, of, um, along the lines of some gastrointestinal issues. You know, obviously, we're doing a clinical examination um, and you know, maybe we're losing a bit of weight. You know, it's just, you know, maybe we've got a little bit of diarrhea. Sort of where you know, do you think we should be going tests and, and, and what's the next sort of step or, or what do you think we should be doing? Yeah, a workup for a typical case like that would probably start off with a full physical examination, getting a good history and then proceeding to you know, general blood tests. So I guess what you're trying to determine is the cause primary gastrointestinal related or is there other disease in the body affecting the gastrointestinal tract yeah. or metabolic disease, I guess, I guess essentially. The, the GI is, the, is the, the, the symptoms of something else. There's something else that's putting pressure on the gastrointestinal tract to bring about those signs. Exactly right. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So trying to distinguish between those two and let's say you've done your blood panel and urinalysis so you've collected a bit of urine and analyzed that and that's all pretty boring and pretty normal yeah you're probably the next step is to go to do some imaging of the gastrointestinal tract and so what sort of imaging are we uh, are you talking about there clint what's your uh the the the, the battery of uh, of imaging tests you want to try and do given that you, you know you're uh you're along the imaging path what do you want to do which one of your toys do you want to use yeah look the, the the best form of imaging of the gi tract is essentially an abdominal ultrasound yeah okay, it just yep. gives you a lot of information it's not subjective it's very objective and very clear cut often ve- yep. versus taking an abdominal radiograph yeah radiograph be hard- being an x-ray x-ray yep. yeah yep. an x-ray of an abdomen not so useful in a chronic 
vomiting or chronic diarrhea case, maybe more so in an acute case because you may be thinking of a foreign body obstruction or something else yeah yeah but a chronic case straight to an ultrasound essentially i wouldn't necessarily bother with a radiograph or an x-ray straight to an ultrasound have a look but mainly to focus on the gastrointestinal tract stomach intestines and what sort of things are you looking for with that clint because i mean you know uh, i i I like dabbling in ultrasound and you know um so when you're when you've got the probe on there you've uh, do you as an aside, do you clip up the abdomen or do you clip up the hair? Or Almost certainly, yeah. yeah excellent. Clipping up the abdomen quite yeah. thoroughly to, to get a proper look. The only It'll time, grow back. The only time I don't is when I'm having a sneak peek at my own dog at home. <laughs> He's a golden retriever. I just part the coat, a lot of metho, a bit of gel and just find a little pocket of window. It, do, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're not finding as much on him though, is it, Clint? You correct, know, it's, uh, correct. You don't have that hard-biting uh, client to try and impress. Exactly, exactly right. And you, you recently had a, had a child too, so uh, is there any... Uh, uh, home diagnosis at all during that period? No, I have not put the ultrasound probe <laughs> on my child. The only human... I'm not I... on your child, I mean on your wife. Yeah, on, on my wife I yeah, did, yeah. yeah did did the odd ch- sneaky check of the, you know, the fetal heart rate and, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, so I guess, um, so, you know, you've done an ultrasound and, um, you know, perhaps we've got some thickening in the gut that you can see, you know, we've ruled out sort of any sort of, you know, uh, metabolic issues that might be causing the vomiting, so it's sort of restricted to the gut area. What you know? What sort of you know? Where do you go next? Are we on dietary food trials, or are you looking at maybe trying to you know go and do some endoscopy, or how do you sort of decide? Look, you know, perhaps perhaps we go down just a treatment trial first, or are we looking at um at at, at you know maybe some more tests then? Mm. And and also with that, like when you've done your ultrasound, is that something that's going to be diagnostic, or does that then point you in a direction from there? The ultrasound is incredibly diagnostic. Sometimes it will give you a specific answer. So unfortunately, some cases we'll see some lumps or masses and we can use the ultrasound to guide a needle going directly into that lump, put some cells onto a slide and examine that under a microscope and come up with a diagnosis. Oh, that's incredible. Bedside diagnosis. Bedside diagnosis on the spot. So that's certainly something I'm more than happy and comfortable doing. But otherwise, it sort of narrows down your diagnostic possibilities it may not give you the exact diagnosis but it might say right it's either inflammatory bowel disease or it's gastrointestinal lymphoma and that's where your follow-up tests like an endoscope or a a full thickness surgical biopsy is going to come into play and the decision about when to do what comes down to a bit of the interplay between the owner and the costs the degree of illness of the the pet whether they're truly sick and, and extremely sick that they need to get an answer right then and there yep. or whether it's just that case that's vomiting once a month but still eating and it's still holding its weight you probably say to that owner well let's trial some diets let's trial some antibiotics or let's trial some probiotics or something along those lines so you go down go along a path of treatment trials first before you rush off to do an expensive and invasive test like a biopsy Okay, so when you, you're talking about diets and stuff, I mean, uh, you know, in uh, we had uh, Danny, the skin specialist, and she was talking about diets. That, you know, an eight eight week trial. Is there a sort of is there a type of diet that your your preference towards, and how long do they need to go on it? Um, you know, how how do you sort of make that decision? Sort mm. of yeah. With diets, it's a different kettle of fish to the gas to the the skin problems with yep. Danny. So yep. with, with gut disease, it's essentially a two week trial. That's all you need. Right. Okay. Happen, things happen a lot quicker in the gastrointestinal tract. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And in those two weeks, what are you hoping to sort of see? Like, you know, what is it? Is it like an instant? Yeah. You know, the vomiting stops or or the diarrhea stops? Is that what we're looking essentially? For? Yeah. So resolution of the problem in the two weeks. So often within four or five days. 
it depends on the frequency of the sign. So if a, if a dog or a cat's vomiting once a month and you do a dietary yeah. trial for two weeks, it's going to be hard to <laughs> see if it's been effective. Hasn't vomited at all. <laughs> He's fixed it. He's fixed the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but if a, if a cat or a dog is vomiting daily or having diarrhea nonstop and you put them on a diet and within a couple of days things resolve, then that's a good sign that you're on the right track. Right. And in terms of what diets I recommend, I'm a strong advocate of novel protein diets and Prime 100 are probably the best Hooray! product in my opinion. <laughs> Yes. Giving yeah. them a little plug, but they deserve it because in my honest opinion, they are the my go-to for novel protein diets for dogs and now for cats as well. They have just recently released their um, single protein diet that's balanced for cats too. Yes. So previously, it was a bit more of a challenge for cats who are typically fussy eaters anyway yes. to find a good novel protein for them. Yep. Not everyone has some geese or some ducks in their <laughs> no, backyard they that they can... Yeah, some, some dolphin and... and dolphin, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphin and seaweed in the, in the backyard. <laughs> no, they don't do that diet. No, don't don't get the wrong idea. Bit of turmeric too. Yeah, yeah. The turmeric. Yeah, yeah, coconut oil. Yeah, yeah. we love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> They've got the new pea and hemp oil. You you seen that one's come out? Which which is that? Pri pa uh, Prime one hundred. Yeah, okay. The pea yeah. and hemp oil. Okay. Perhaps we'll talk about that a bit later. The benefits of hemp oil. Hey, yes, <laughs> it is it is a hot topic in veterinary medicine. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we can get on. We'll stick to the inflammatory <laughs> bowel disease. Uh, so, so yeah, obviously, yeah, going on choosing one of the, the, the Prime 100 diets and then you're on it for two weeks. And, and I guess if the symptoms haven't resolved in that time, then are you saying, you know, that, that further testing is required or do you actually, after chatting with the owners, I guess you've got to decide um, whether they want more diagnostics or trials mm, and treatment. Mm, is that what mm. you're saying? And also part of the, the uh, food trial, importantly, is to make sure that they're being 100% exclusive with that diet. So, so, so yet nothing else. You're on that diet and that is That it. is it. Yeah, right. And it, it can be also you're on that protein and that is it. So you can give them treats of that protein, be it kangaroo or crocodile, um, but dolphin. Dolphin, okay. dolphin, yeah, yeah. dolphin and seaweed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We should look into that one. Yes. Um, it's not it, quite PC, is it? Eh? Not quite, no. <laughs> no. Um, well, I think that's the thing with the Prime 100 foods as well, is they do have the single protein treats too, which I cool. really love in the range that, um, you know, it sounds like we're doing a big plug for them, but I guess we are in that we really like their, their products. You know, if, you, if you're on that food, you're on the, the, the kangaroo food, then they've got the kangaroo treats. So, um, it's it, you know, you can, you can actually... Because that's often, I think, something owners always say, what can I give as a treat? And we're sort of like, oh, well, you give them a bit of a dry food or whatever it is. But now that we've actually got some bags of treats, I think it's yeah, really good. Yeah, so. it makes it really good, really um, helpful. And I guess the thing that I often explain to pet owners about inflammatory bowel disease and the thing about 100% exclusive is a bit like a peanut allergy. Yes. If it just takes the smallest fraction of a peanut in someone who's allergic to it to set the whole system off. So it's the same with if you're feeding the right diet 98% of the time, but you're giving them a sniff of whatever, that's the wrong thing every now and then. That's enough to ruin the whole the whole trial. So yeah, right. strict okay. for a couple of weeks. And then if they don't respond, depending again on the, the animal and how sick, you either do another protein for a couple of weeks and see if that works. Yes. Or you could do some antibiotics or probiotics and trial that. Or you could cut to the chase and say, right, we've done a couple of trials. Let's go straight to getting some biopsies. Right. Okay. And so you think how big an effect do probiotics have in 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 the process? I mean, there seems to be a lot of different or paucity in the in the in the literature about it. Um, do you know? Can we just give a bit of yogurt and that's going to help? Or what? What are you sort of talking about there? Yeah, spoon of Yakult or yeah. a little bit of Yakult <laughs> into the into the food. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think. 
there's a bit of conjecture about probiotics and I don't think we fully understand their true role as of yet. Um, and there's also a lot of variations in what a probiotic is. Right. There's not a lot of standardization in terms of you have to have a certain amount of this particular bacteria type and it has to be protected from the stomach acid to get to where it needs to yeah, get in yes. the intestines to work. So hard to read into it, but I find that they can help. I find that they alone often don't fix problems, but they certainly are part of the multimodal type of treatment. And so with with that, you know, um, and feel free to do what I call the pathologist view, which is doc, don't get off the fence. Um, do you have any go-to probiotics that you use? Because while there are some that are out there for uh, that are animal, you know, uh, products, I always get a bit funny where you see the ones that go, and so these are for dogs and cats and kittens and chickens and lizards and all that sort of stuff. I was like, oh, dude, yeah, these are all completely different gastrointestinal tracts. What are the ones you go for? I don't know if they work for dolphins, though. Yeah. Are you, you're wondering about that? Yeah. The, the dolphin probiotic. Well, I yeah, think yeah. if you feed the dolphin the probiotic that you then use for the feed for the animal that's got the problem, you sort of don't need the probiotic because you're giving it in the, the food chain to the animal that's going to end up eating it. So it's like a dolphin vector. <laughs> We're talking about using dolphin as a vector for a probiotic. I love it. I love it, Clint. Just want to say no dolphins <laughs> during the recording of this podcast. Let's get it out there. Right? Coming from the person who brought up the dolphin. I know. The I know. It's really got to be far. I probably should have just thought of something else like cockroaches or something. But dolphins. Pro-dolphin here. Very pro-dolphin. Yeah. Um, we do love dolphins. Yes. We're not making dolphin food. No way. We're not. So coming back off the tangent a little bit, but it was, it was a good tangent. Thanks for bringing us back, Clint. Uh, it's good to hear. Welcome to Two Vets Talk Pet. <laughs> Um, probably I've got two products that I'd recommend. Um, there's a very nice new one called Forty Flora. Yes. Uh, I think you guys have previously spoken about that at uh, one, one, on one of your previous podcasts. We have, yes. And yeah. we're yeah, big fan of it. It's just it's actually hard to source. Have you, it is. Uh, it yeah. is hard to source. It's so there's only one supplier, I think, in, in yes, Melbourne. Yes, sounds like that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's a bit difficult to find. Yep. And it's essentially not available to uh, the public. It's, oh, it isn't. Right. I think only through vets, I think, at this stage. Right. Okay. Um, so yep. the other yep. one is Protexin. Yes. Would probably be the other probiotic yeah, that's okay. pretty good. Um, yep. And they're probably the two ones that I, that I recommend. Okay, okay. So I mean, yeah, we've done a bit of a food trial. You know, done the Prime One Hundred for for the two weeks, perhaps, and 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 things. I guess you know, we've done some probiotics, that sort of thing. The owners have been pretty strict with it. They still, the, the animals still got the symptoms, sort of um, um, two weeks out. Maybe you know, I guess there's two ways we can go. Perhaps we we talk about you know. If they wanted to further tests, obviously they can get you out and do some endoscopy. But can you touch a little bit on the difference between endoscopy, where we're putting a camera up the, or putting a camera down the mouth, and um, where the other sort of train of thought, where you actually do surgery, where you open up the abdomen, um, and you take biopsy samples along the along the um, the intestines, which a lot of times really. You know, they get a bit nervous about that sort of understandably, um, but there's a, a real school of thought that that's what you have to do mm. and the endoscopy is mm. perhaps you know, second to that. So what are your sort of thoughts? I guess I may be a bit biased because this is my day in, day out type yeah. job is, is, is doing endoscope. So I, I, I may have a bit of a biased opinion. A bit biased because that's all you can carry in the boot of the that's car. I and carry. <laughs> I can't quite fit a surgical theatre and, and everything else that I need. And we already said you've got a weak spine. So Yeah, yeah. correct, correct. <laughs> So, do, do you need a hand carrying the instruments from the car? Because we get the nurses to help you. I, I don't want to break their back. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, all right. yes. um, I'm a big advocate of less is more. And what I mean by that is um, 
you don't always have to cut them open to get the answer that you need. Right. I'm yep. a big advocate of uh, trying to get the most out of the animal by doing as little to them as possible. Yeah, okay, um, right. Because yeah. we're essentially here advocating for dogs and cats when they come in and we're providing advice to the owners on behalf of the animal. We're essentially their spokesperson. Yep. Um, there are cases, without a doubt, where I do recommend surgery and there's no doubt about that. So there would be cases like where you've got disease affecting part of the gastrointestinal tract that you cannot physically access with an endoscope. So that's typically the middle part of the small intestine called the jejunum. Yep. With an endoscope, you can get the stomach, the small intestine from the mouth and from the... Yeah, you're sh- not, yeah. Not the best whistle <laughs> there, but from the... Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we can say, you know, uh, sticking the camera up the bum, mate. It's fine. Up yeah, the it's bum, fine. Yeah. Yeah. You can whistle too if the you like. The you know? cloaca. Yeah, the cloaca, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it goes up the back end, you can get colon and often you can get ileum as well, the, the end of the small intestine. Yeah, right. So when there's disease just in the jejunum, then it's definitely off to surgery. You just can't reach it, you know. You, you physically can't get yeah, in that yeah. far, can you? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. And when you've got diseases affecting the external aspect of the bowel that your endoscope can't reach because you're only going from the inside and getting a look from the inside. Things outside the tube. Outside the tube. Yeah, yeah right. On yeah. the outside or outside of. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sense. good so point. So if you've got liver disease or big lymph nodes or pancreatic issues yep. that you need biopsies of as well as the gut, then you'll go for surgery. Yeah, right. But pretty much for everything else, I'm a big advocate for endoscopic biopsies and again less is more we get smaller samples with endoscopic biopsies but with the technology and um, science that we have access to these days they can get more out of that little bit of tissue as well so with a good piece of endoscopic equipment with some sharp biopsy forceps um, with someone who knows how to use it relatively well because there's a big skill in getting good samples and that comes down to experience and expertise and equipment yeah right with all of those in play you can get reasonably good biopsies deep often into the submucosa yeah and it's often enough to differentiate often between the two conditions that we're looking at which is ibd and and lymphoma and there's also some studies that have come out to suggest that the mucosal appearance, so the, the mucosa is the inner lining of the gastrointestinal tract. The, the very, the very, uh, yeah, the the the, um, the gooey bit, the gooey the bit gooey that everything bit. runs past. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The appearance of that correlates way better with the degree of disease than any other means of assessing it. So better than ultrasound, better than surgical appearance from the outside. Yeah, right. And so you can get a look at all of that and you can get lots of different samples all within the stomach, all within the small intestine, all within the colon. So you get a really representative idea of what's going on throughout the gastrointestinal tract. Um, And Clint, this is something that I think is really, really cool with endoscopy. Can you describe to the listeners sort of how it is you get those biopsies like what it so you've got the camera down there how do you then get those biopsies yeah just sort of paint a picture for us of what happens there yeah, so the camera is a like a black tube and part of it the inside is the physical camera but part of the inner lining is a little channel a little hollow channel that you feed a uh, biopsy like a pinching device through so it's like a thin uh, piece of metal that goes through the hole in the in the endoscope, comes out the other end so you can see it with a camera, and then you use the camera to guide that biopsy force into the mucosa or into the inner lining of the bowel. And then there's a little uh, uh, handheld sort of mechanism on the outer end that you open up and it opens up these prongs, and then they t- you close them into the tissue, they take ch- take a chunk of the tissue, and that's your biopsy sample. It's kind of like a um, like one of the, uh, the, the little sort of 
claw thing that they have out mm. in the quarries, isn't it? You know, exactly. that when you open yeah. it up, you open it up, jam it into the tissue, take a big chunk, and it's that sharp that you can get through that gooey outer layer and into that sort of more fibrous internal layer, that submucosa, so you can go looking for the abnormal cells. Exactly right. That's the perfect description. And the important part about getting deep samples is having sharp biopsy forceps. So you've got to regularly turn them over. And and I imagine a, a steady hand, mate, to... Uh to be able to, yeah, some some uh, very good skills at being able to, you know, a steady hand to get in there and take those samples. Does you find maybe you know between that expertise that you've got there and and your my kitchen rules days, you know, was there is there anything there that you know that that there's a bit of a crossover where you know uh, maybe a, a steady hand was required. So perhaps hypothetically you you're doing your your, your famed chocolate mousse cake and uh, and you've got the 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 tiny little piece of gold uh, foil thin uh, the decoration from the top of it and and your mate Noah's there just just he's he's doing his best trying yeah, to trying to ruin the party. Uh, yeah. yeah, do, yeah, do you, yeah. Was there an incident at all that occurred there where you, there was where a you bit of a controversy <laughs> there? Yeah, no. Well, yeah, perhaps lost lost a bit of a bit of a temper there, or did you get a bit upset? Oh, or look, that or, was all just for the cameras, really. <laughs> <laughs> Got to create a bit of drama to get the audience watching the TV. Manufactured drama, Manufactured that was it. Drama, yeah. Yeah. TV's so fake, uh, artificial. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you spoken to Noah lately? Because I think he's a little upset by that. Yeah. Incident. Look, we haven't spoken since, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good stuff, mate. Good sport. Good sport. So, all right. So you got your um your, your samples. I guess uh, you know we get a diagnosis from that. Like you said, differentiating between is it inflammatory bowel disease or is it uh, lymphoma, which is a type of cancer that can uh, is unfortunately common. I guess in cats, perhaps um, more so more so than dogs. Um and and so then um you know sort of treatment options. Um, you know, where do you sort of go, perhaps start with inflammatory bowel disease? What are the sort of options available for that? The mainstay of treatment and often the, the inciting cause is, is diet. So right. changing to a novel protein diet, giving Prime 100 a bit of a plug here. I was going to say, any special diets, mate? Yeah, yeah, no totally, got a sponsor totally of the Prime show. Prime 100 all the way. Um, <laughs> no, no dolphin diets. No, 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 no dolphins. Whoa, don't no, bring no, that back. I've no, just edited no. them all out. <laughs> So I, was, I was saying, if we, if you do want to swear and call it the the uh, the something else, we can just do a little. Just <laughs> 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 to block it out. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Diet, diet would be probably the mainstay, and it's often diet and what else? Again. Right. So it's often diet, sometimes some antibiotics. And yes. The antibiotics play two roles. One is they're meant to help with the imbalance of bacteria that are in the uh, sort of upset gastrointestinal tract or a word we use is dysbiosis. Woof, yeah, Big right. Yeah, yeah. Hot, hot topic again in, in sort yes. of GI world at the moment is intestinal dysbiosis. Yes. Um, so the, the antibiotics are help to sort of destroy some of the bad bacteria, but also some of the antibiotics that we use do have some sort of what we call immunomodulating properties. So yep. they sort of alter the functions of the immune system and sort of dampen it down a little bit because it's thought that it's a sort of ramped up immune system that's contributing to the inflammatory bowel disease. Right, okay. And then, yeah. Yeah, and you go to for that? What, what sort of antibody do you start with? Usually one of two. Metronidazole would probably be the number one go-to yep. or the other one is Tylosin. Yeah, okay. Tylosin's okay. a great one. Fantastic. Yep. And you add something else in there if that's not helping? Steroids. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No so medicine. Yeah, no medicine clinician would exist without steroids. Vitamin P? Vitamin that would P, be. Vitamin P, yeah, yeah. 
keeps everyone alive. Yeah, prednisolone. Yeah, cortisone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. cortisone, prednisolone. Not yeah. the anabolic steroids. These oh. are actually catabolic steroids. Wow. Oh, gee whiz. That's a technicality. Yeah. yeah. And, and how's the, how are the steroids working then? Like, what are the steroids doing when you're putting the, the animals on those? So, the steroids have a number of great properties. They're an anti-inflammatory. So, they're settling down the inflammation in the bowel. They can suppress the immune system as well, depending on what dose you use it at. And they're also an appetite stimulant. So, it's particularly good for a dog or a cat that's part of their symptoms, as we talked about, is not eating and you need to get them to eat to get better is putting them on some steroids so it's a it's a really helpful drug and if used well it can be your best friend but if not used well it can also be your worst enemy okay right it can have some side effects can't it side I'm, effects yeah, for sure yeah, yeah okay and what about um mesalazine do they use mesalazine a bit of a left field question is that used at all mesalazine, mesalazine. Is, that, is that the anti-inflammatory that's used for the the colon yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. for colitis and yeah, that sort of thing yeah, yeah. yeah. silazapirin is that the uh it's uh because you're not talking about melasamine that's that that's uh, whoa we have to <laughs> that one out i think <laughs> No, mesalazine, I think it is. Yeah, yeah pentasa. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that can be used for large bowel problems. Right, So okay. that can be helpful when things right. like steroids have failed. Yeah, okay. Um, that can be useful for those sort of problems. All right, fantastic. And so um, uh, I guess, um, you know, uh, looking, looking the other way, you know, with inflammatory bowel disease, you've got the, the medication that sort of assists with that. Um, and, and do you find most of the time you can get it under control and manage it with the dietary the medication, the probiotics, sort of, you know, um, all added together. Do most cases go pretty well? Most cases do well, but you do get the odd case that can be quite difficult to get under control, right. a refractory case. Yes. So that case may need really high doses of steroids or steroids and second line drugs like cyclosporin or okay. azathioprine. These are pretty heavy handed drugs that we're sort of reaching for now. Um, and, and some animals, unfortunately, may succumb to the disease in the medium to long run, right. you know, whether it's the side effects, or whether it's the severity of the disease process that we can't get under control. There is the odd case that you just, no matter how good you try, you can't manage or, or, or fix. And, and what do you sort of think with... Um you know, obviously, there's some thought that uh, if you've got some inflammatory bowel disease, um, you know, perhaps that's underlying the it, well, particularly in cats, I suppose, for a long period of time, that that actually predisposes them to getting you know intestinal lymphoma. Is there, you know, is, it seems a lot of people talk about it being continuum. Mm. That there's not a real distinct. Mm you know time and, and that maybe just you know if you've got a cat that is vomiting is actually worse while treating it if it's inflammatory bowel disease because then um then it's not going to progress to to lymphoma we've been podcasting for too long mate that's just what i was going to ask so, <laughs> mate, read each other's minds reading each other's hey, minds yeah it's good mate maybe we'll just do one one vet talk pets and then just and this is what robbie would say yeah, so so what are your sort of thoughts on that? With yeah, the I, I totally agree. I think uh, chronic inflammation, no matter really where in the body, can be a, a prelude to cancer, unfortunately, and particularly in the bowel, chronic inflammatory bowel disease, and m- probably more so in cats because more recognised in cats, yep. can lead on to sort of um, lymphoma in the gastrointestinal tract. Right. So okay. for pet owners out there, certainly if your cat's got gastrointestinal signs, it's better to get onto it early. 
rather than late. Right. So it's not just food balls or eating the food too fast. If it's vomiting more than, well, we sort of said there once every three to four weeks, then you've got to come in and, and, and see us. Um, and then lastly, you know, talk about the intestinal lymphoma. Um, what sort of options for treatment? It's a cancer of the, of the gut, as we said. Um, what, sort of, what, are, what are the options we've got there for treatment? So most cats, let's say, who get intestinal lymphoma get the rather better type of intestinal lymphoma. So I always say to pet owners that you, you, if you get cancer, you want to get the good or the bad, essentially, or the yeah, more right. treatable of the, the, the cancerous options. So small cell, alimentary lymphoma, or lymphoma of the gut in cats is one of the better cancers to get. And, and, and lymphoma being a cancer of the lymphocytes, one correct. of the white blood cells. Correct, yeah. yes. And, and the, those cats can live for many years, yeah. provided they're on the right treatment, which is often an oral chemotherapy tablet, yeah. as well as some cortisone. And probably a good diet too, just to help manage that underlying because because that because that bowel is isn't working well. So therefore, if you're using something like a novel protein diet, it's going to be easier for that diseased bowel to get the job done, exactly. isn't it? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not trying to ask too much of something that's under a lot of stress. For sure, yeah. And um, and they have a great quality of life. Those cats, like I've got um, I've got one that we've been treating for three and a half years now since diagnosis and she then where um uh, you'll have to help me out here when they've not had disease and they've gone back you know um remissions when they lose disease and then is it what what do they call it when they relapse relapse Relapse, so she relapsed and now we've got her back under control and we had to change her chemotherapy a little bit um but now she's still kicking great goals you know so so the a lot of times people they you mention the word chemotherapy and they kind of retract a little bit and go oh but you know it's it really is i call it sort of chemotherapy light because it's not the bad you know i mean Mm their hairs don't fall out or anything like that like do you have any comment on the quality of life of these cats while they're being treated yeah chemotherapy is a funny word some pet owners really it sends a shivers up their spine the moment you mention that word and there's a lot of negative connotations with chemotherapy yeah totally but, agree yeah like spot on. but if 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 you work through with pet owners with this and and provide as much information to them as as you can about the treatment they may come on board and the sort of treatment that we treat cats with uh, lymphoma in the bowel is a very gentle form of chemotherapy and it, it's a form of chemotherapy called metronomic chemotherapy and so the side effects of that are almost minimal these cats are a hell of a lot happier healthier and better on the treatment than they were when they weren't and so the side effects are almost absent you could say on this treatment fantastic okay well that's good to know i didn't know that that's great Good stuff, mate. Alrighty, so look, I think uh, we might uh, we might actually change tack and actually talk about something. Well, we had a surgery topic, but it doesn't seem to be your area of interest. So perhaps we'll uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll stick on the internal abdomen stuff, uh, the pancreatitis, mate. So uh, perhaps um, if if we look at you know, inflammation of the pancreas, uh, um, perhaps uh, perhaps let's start with sort of I suppose uh, dogs initially. Um, what's you, you know, what's the latest on the causes of, of pancreatitis uh, in in dogs there's two major risk factors i find for canine pancreatitis pancreatitis in dogs and that is uh, having a high fatty blood or hyperlipidemia we call it and eating a fatty meal so that's like your 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 combination that you take though have those two risk factors and you're pretty much asking for pancreatitis there and so things like certain medications can play into that. So cortisone, for example, steroids do cause fatty blood and make animals hungry. So they often scavenge things or eat a fatty meal and then they potentially get pancreatitis. Right. Certain okay. seizure drugs too, like phenobarbitone. Yep. 
Yep. So you don't think it's, so? You don't think it's the the cortisone that's the problem? It's more the the inside the the hyperlipidemia that the fat in the blood and and the want to eat the pizza that's left over or the the barbecue or whatever. Very controversial area. Depends right. who you ask and, and what their opinion is about this. My personal opinion is, and interestingly interestingly enough, I actually treat some cases and I I, I stress some, not all, but some cases of pancreatitis with cortisone Ooh, or with right. steroids. Yeah, and had great success. But it's the I find it's the steroids that lead to the ravenous appetite or the scavenging, and it's the the fatty blood. It's that combination. So it's indir- an indirect effect of the steroids rather than the, the steroids directly triggering the pancreatitis itself. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Do you know that, mate? Uh, no, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, the the hyperlipidemia is something that I often warn people about, particularly schnauzers. Yeah. You know, I always talk to them about you know, you know those times where you're just taking blood from a schnauzer and it comes out <laughs> looking like a strawberry milk. milkshake. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And you go, oh yeah, right. Yeah. So you know, your your dog's going to be at risk. But it absolutely makes sense that cortisone would do that. You know, mm. because you do. You know, sometimes there's no, you know, okay, yeah, they've eaten the Christmas ham or something like that, or they've it's the Australia Day barbecue and they've eaten a half a dozen sausages because they just keep wanting to eat them. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, of course they do. Yeah. Yeah, my son will keep eating them; he's still going to vomit from it. Um, but it makes sense that you know, if you're if you're dealing with that uh, with the high fat in the blood, that that's going to be then because that's what then sends the the signals off to the pancreas, isn't it? To that's say, right. dude, we have got some serious fat Correct. that we need to try and digest here. Correct. Let's let's generate these enzymes, but it's then the enzymes that are activating within the organ that then sets everything up the garden Correct. spout. Correct. Correct. So whenever I have a, an animal on steroids. Usually it's not a problem with inflammatory bowel disease because they're on a strict diet. But any other dog or cat I put on steroids, more so dogs again, because in cats, pancreatitis is a different sort of ball game altogether. But I tell them strict low-fat diet. Right. Just okay. to mitigate that risk of them potentially getting pancreatitis. And okay. I do tell owners that it's life-threatening. So well, just sort yeah, okay. of... Okay, that's, yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's great. Yeah, excellent. So you sort of mentioned cats um, and, uh, and and pancreatitis. Uh, what sort of, you know, the causes are a little bit different in cats, aren't they? Totally different with cats, yeah. So fatty blood and fatty meals are, have pretty much been proven not to be a cause yep. of pancreatitis yep. in cats. Yep. We don't really cortisone know. Cortisone in cats, is that an issue? Do you cortisone think? can cause diabetes, let's say, in cats, yes. but less likely to cause pancreatitis. Great. Okay. Um, yep. Causes in cats sometimes are infectious causes. These are rare, but things like toxoplasma or liver fluke. Yes. Occasionally some viruses like uh, feline infectious peritonitis virus, for example, rare causes. In cats, it's thought that there's potentially an autoimmune component to pancreatitis, or there could be what we call an idiopathic cause, meaning we don't actually know, or it can actually be linked into IBD into a condition called triaditis, which is one of the great words. Yeah. Triaditis, just like clumping as many disease processes into one word and naming it that wouldn't you love to have been the vet that came up with saying you know what let's just call this damn thing triaditis we've got these yeah. three damn things here yeah. call it triaditis you're already gone why the hell didn't i think of that it just yeah. makes bloody sense doesn't it you yeah, know exactly i'm waiting for quadritis and you know septitis and all <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it lucky there are only three things so yeah. that the, the, they're able to, to name it triaditis what so what are the three things you, you know that, that cause the triaditis you're talking about so it's um inflammatory bowel disease uh hepatitis or cholangitis and pancreatitis right so it's okay. liver disease gut disease and pancreatic disease all in one right wow okay and so how do those sort of cats present they tip so cats with triaditis 
generally present with vague signs, so often off food and lethargy. Yes. Sometimes vomiting. In cats, they don't typically vomit with pancreatitis as dogs do. Right, so okay. Slightly different signs, again, in, in dogs and cats. Yes. But yeah, off food, lethargy, um, sort of vague gastrointestinal signs. Right, okay. And so then, I, I guess you come back to dogs, what's your sort of mainstay of treatment for dogs with pancreatitis? It's largely supportive. So I think as you guys touched on in one of your previous podcasts, there's no antidote for tri- uh, for pancreatitis in dogs so it's you, you know things to support the animal through their illness so it's intravenous fluid therapy to correct the dehydration pain relief because they're often exceptionally painful anti-nausea medications to get under control their vomiting gut protection medications to help line the gut and probably the most important of all and has recently been studied and proven to be beneficial is early nutrition Right. Oral oral nutrition, so feeding via the mouth yes. or through a tube that's going into the gastrointestinal tract and a low-fat diet. Right. Okay. Oh, see, that's changed from when I graduated. And it was all about, oh, you've got to rest starve the... Starve the yes, pancreas. Yeah, yeah, starve the pancreas. Yeah, yeah. 24, 48 yeah. hours, no food. Yeah. But, but now you're saying we need to get them eating as soon as possible. Yeah, because it... it vomiting too is it regardless of just get the nutrition correct yeah Yeah. so often in those dogs or cats that are vomiting placing like a what we call a nasogastric tube so a thin tube goes through the nose into the stomach a you can suction out the stomach because often these animals have a pretty distended and uh sort of flabby stomach that's not contracting properly and that's maybe why they're vomiting and not eating so you can suction all the secretions out and introduce some food early on because it's been shown that the little cells lining the gastrointestinal site called enterocytes, if they're fed food, their health is almost normal. But when the health is abnormal, so when they're starved, that's when the immune system of the body starts to shut down and the inflammatory mediators start to circulate and you get all your complications like infections and SIRS and SIRS and MODs and all these sort of technical words. It's all based on that one cell in the gut, right. the enterocyte. Impressive, yeah. Okay, yeah, fantastic. And um, and so a low-fat food again. Is there something that that's your preference to get them start eating on? Croc tap. Croc tap. I'm a big fan of croc tap. Yeah, I, I, yeah, always, yeah. I always have it on my histories. Croc tap. Yeah. Croc tap. You know, and the nurse go, "What the hell's croc tap? <laughs> Come on, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, get the program nurses. It's crocodile tapping over from Prime One Hundred, Lewis. You know." So it's good stuff, mate. So yeah, no dolphin because dolphin's <laughs> fairly high in fat. Um, is it? Is dolphin high in fat? Really? It could be. Maybe high in the it. blubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blubber. Maybe, mate, is it pea, hemp oil, and dolphin that's that new food? I'm not sure. Or you think they feed the peas to the dolphins in the hemp? <laughs> Oh gosh, how did we get, that was a bad, bad mention of me, Dolphin, we should have done that, I feel really bad for all the Dolphins out there. Yeah, you brought in the evidence, mate, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I did, I did. So, okay, so you got them on, and then, you know, as you sort of, you've got them on the, the low-fat food, is that likely to be life, uh, life, lifelong for, for dogs and cats, or are we more just talking dogs with the more, low-fat more, food? More dogs for yep. low-fat food. Yep. Studies have certainly shown in the acute phase low-fat food has been proven to be beneficial in that these animals start eating a lot sooner and have fewer complications, or fewer vomiting episodes or you know relapses of the pancreatitis. There's been no true studies in the long term, but a lot of it is what makes sense. Is yes. that We've talked about the fatty blood predisposing them to it. If they've already had an episode, they're predisposed. If they've got fatty blood, they're probably predisposed predisposed so if we're feeding a low-fat diet we're just trying to mitigate all those risks and prevent any relapses going forward oh fantastic all righty good stuff and so uh you got some uh yeah um we're moving on to, to number six cats 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 in triaditis and pancreatitis yeah 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 treatment why not 
Um, well, well, the one thing, why, why do cats get trioditis and dogs don't? So you were talking about that, that the pancreatitis in cats is combined with those two other diseases. Why is it that, that they get trioditis and we don't see it in dogs? You ask a tough question, Robin. You're making me reach dark back down into the, the lurches of the, the, the brain that haven't yes. been used for a long time, similar to when Crank I... Crank those cogs. Yeah, similar to when, when I whipped up the chocolate recipe, the chocolate mousse recipe. That's part of the brain that hasn't been used for a long time. Yeah, fantastic. It, and that was a fantastic uh, chocolate mousse cake we had, Thank you, mate. thank Much, you, Lewis. Really yeah. appreciate you bringing the, bring the morning tea and stuff. Yeah. So I want to get a dig you out of uh, Robbie's hard question, I reckon. I just want to... I, we were doing a little bit of research on the internet when you with you on, on My Kitchen Rules, and uh, you obviously got a bit of support from around Victoria Victoria, when you uh, when you're in the, the final, the, uh, the the grand final, wasn't it, where you uh, uh, lost? But yes, um, we did uh, lose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, some some comments I got here. Uh, the uh, Lord Mayor uh, Robert Doyle. Uh, but back back <laughs> the is. pair. <laughs> the infamous uh, Robert Doyle. <laughs> oh, uh, good luck, Clinton Noah. We're right behind you. <laughs> he said. <laughs> that, 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 uh, yeah. How do you feel about that, mate? I'm <laughs> a bit concerned with that coming from Robert now, <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> but it was great to have the support of the city back then and the state. It was a big sort of state rivalry back then. It was the Vicks versus the Queenslanders. Right. In the final. Yeah. Okay. And we did succumb in the end to the to the Queenslanders. Yeah. What was your Achilles here? What 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 you lose? I haven't oh. watched the back episode. The full I think back they, catalog. they felt we were two really good-looking young blokes, and they just didn't want to give us put the the, the world in front of us. So, well, at least uh, you're honest, mate. That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah you yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it was a tough battle. Well, it was pretty neck and neck, and at the end yeah. of the day, it's just probably their food was a little bit better than ours. Well, that's what the show is about. I think the food. So that's quite. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had they had they uh, touched on uh, veterinary aspects, or perhaps I think you might have got on the line. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but, but yeah, exactly. Well, it was a show about food. So, yeah. um, but I can answer Robbie's question if you want. Yeah, let's go for I it. I will. Uh, essentially, the cat has got a unique anatomy, and so the duct from the pancreas and the duct from the bile from the gallbladder unite and merge to form a single duct as it enters into the intestine. So essentially any disease process affecting the gallbladder or the pancreas can affect the gut or any disease process affecting the gut can affect the gallbladder and the pancreas. It's like a, a three-way tap, isn't it? That yeah. all go into the one... It's like a Y splitter. Yes, yeah. yeah. Sort of all... And so if you've got IBD, well, then that means that the, you know, the defences are down, so it's easier for something to go in or you know, vice versa. If you've got something that's inflamed in one organ for some reason well then that means that the other ones are going to be affected um so then treatment wise like uh where do you go with treatment are you were saying alluding to it being obviously ibd if it's going to have an immune mediated uh, uh aspect to it if that's the same with pancreatitis and then with the cholangitis is that then when you're reaching for steroids and your low fat diets and things like that too often yeah for cats you reach for s steroids to help uh, yeah. reduce the inflammation and to sort of dampen down the immune system there is the possibility of sort of reflux of bacteria as well from the gut up into the pancreas or into the biliary tract so yeah, okay. some antibiotics different to the ones that you would necessarily use for the bowel yeah. can be helpful to manage those infections yeah those ascending infections exactly. of that biliary tract yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so to treat those and then you know it's just supportive care again as well and cats stop the vomiting 
you know, uh, pain relief too. Yes, yeah. Um, antibiotics, anti-inflammatories. Appetite stimulants. So where do you stand with those? So Yeah, look, they're, they're useful in, in cats. Yep. I, I guess I prefer to try and treat the condition that's stopping the cat from eating rather than just using the Band-Aid approach to get the cat eating. Yeah, gotcha. But sometimes you are that desperate that you just need the cat to eat. Yeah, right. And it can be life or death or it can be, well, if you don't eat, we're going to have to put a feeding tube in. Put a in. tube in, yes, yeah. So let's try and get the cat to eat first on its own. Yeah, gotcha. So, yeah. Excellent. And what's what's your favorite? What's your go-to for your appetite stimulant in the cat? Metazapine yeah. would be yes. the go-to, but yeah. at the right dose again, because it literally can set cats up the wall. Yeah, it, it can they be. Go a, be crazy. Don't can they be a, a stimulant for yes. their brain, and can I've heard I've had owners tell me that their cats just meowed at them nonstop for twelve hours after having oh. an incorrect dose of metazapine. <laughs> Wow. Well, we're not allowed to talk about doses, but, but make sure you get the correct dose if there are any vets out there listening. So, um, And uh, you just mentioned the nasogastric tube stuff. I mean, that's a, it can be quite a, well, for some, some vets, a te- quite a technical thing to do. Is that something you'll come out to the clinic and, and put into a cat if it's not eating, if, yeah, if need be? Yeah, nasogastric tubes or esophageal feeding tubes or gastrostomy tubes or G-tubes. Right. Any sort of feeding tube, I'm, I'm more than happy to put in. F- fantastic, mate. Oh, that's great. Wow, what a, what a wrap-up today on... Um, on all stuff, uh, gut and, uh, and, and intestinal, I think. Uh, we've almost touched on every organ, I reckon. Um, but uh, even, even the... Even the... Yeah, yeah, we haven't touched yeah. on that one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> I guess, you know, just sort of trying to sum up, mate, you, uh, you know, you're out in the car these days. What's, what's exciting you in internal medicine these days? What, what, you know, is there something new that's out there that, that, that gets you out of bed in the morning, something that, some research that excites you? Um, you know, what... What, what, what really makes you go crazy? I love every aspect of my job. I love getting out there to the GP veterinary community. I love the interactions I have with vets on a daily basis. I love helping solve the cases and the problems. There are a couple of new and exciting things that are sort of interesting me, I guess, as well. Uh, one of the things I'm looking into is sort of uh, laser lithotripsy for bladder stones in mm. predominantly dogs. So using laser energy to shatter stones and then retrieve it via an endoscope rather than, again, it's a age-old debate. Do you cut an animal open to take out the stones or do you try to do it in a less invasive way? Yeah, so right. That, that's something that I'm looking to get on board. Potentially, and I may be going to the States to do a little bit of training awesome. in Awesome. Uh, so with that, with the, um, the lithotripsy, like, so say, because uh, one of the real pain in the bum things if you've got a dog but so male dog so a longer narrower urethra so if they've got a small stone it can lodge in the um in the urethra and can be a real pain to try and sort of retrograde flush back mm-hmm. into the bladder can you actually get those out from the urethra using lithotripsy or do you have to try and get them back into the bladder generally they have to go back into the bladder because I think the potential is you could damage the surrounding urethral tissue with the energy that comes from the laser. So it's safer in a larger into the bladder. And then so once they're shattered and fragmented, then you retrieve them or flush them out or use whatever technique. And I guess the other area that you mentioned a bit of research that's coming out that could be good is for uh, FIP or feline infectious peritonitis in cats. Yes. There's a recent uh, drug that should hopefully become available, I'd say, in the next couple of years or five ten years that's a coronavirus inhibitor wow that has shown to be relatively good uh, in terms of success rates for treating and sometimes curing cats of fit which oh. is an incurable and often fatal disease oh, horrible disease yeah. that is amazing yeah, yeah so that's really interesting wow you heard it first guys on two vets talk pets that's fantastic I mean that's that's amazing because that has always been a death sentence, you know, it and is. it's and it's only just a matter of time until those cats 
lose weight fever, you know, and, and, you know, young cats, mm. and it's always heart, heart, heartbreaking. So to have something where, geez, yeah, we've got an option, that's, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really exciting if it becomes readily available on the market and it gets through all the process of all the studies and the safety assessments yeah, and everything yeah, like that. It's a bit of a way to go, but oh, that, that does sound exciting, mate. But I'll just take you back a step there. I, I do really like the idea you, uh, you might head off to the States to do a bit of training and, and, and that sort of thing. I wonder if, because you, you got uh, the, the sore back, mate, do you need two strong strong lads to carry your carry your, your, your suitcases over because uh, I reckon I know some volunteers. Absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> that could be a trip, couldn't it? Little Vegas, where are we going? Yeah, those, those. Oh yeah, out to the Western Vet Conference. That'd be all right. Yeah, might have to go there and try and check it out, probably because the the laser, I'm sure, is pretty. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure, is pretty heavy, Lewis. You know, that's right. It'd be heavy to bring back. You'd need some someone to carry it back, I reckon. And, and with the success of this podcast, now you guys are referring to first class seats. Is that right? <laughs> <Are> you... <laughs> No, no other way. If we get, if you guys get enough Patreon supporters on board, you know that they'll be funding your first class tickets off to the United States. Well, that, that's a good segue, guys. Just hit it up on Patreon because because we do need to get to the states with Clint. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Look, it's been great having you on today, mate. We uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time out on it. It is a Saturday, and uh, you've got young family at home, so um, thanks for taking the time out to, to have a chat to us. Now, as with all our guests, we do have a a uh, a show bag uh, of, of some goodies uh, that uh, that you, you know to, to, to keep you keep you going. We are first thing up <laughs> as, you, as you're a chef, mate. You know you can never have enough uh, potato potato peelers there, mate. That's a uh, that, that's actually um uh, that that one hasn't been used yet too. So yeah, brand yeah, new, yeah, 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 brand new. Yeah, my two year old daughter will really appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and I should might appreciate these a little bit more. Some uh, for oh, the festive yes. season, some yes, some uh, star shaped uh, ice cubes, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, you're a pretty cool guy, pretty chill. I think I think that goes really well. Well, with you now on on the uh, the long drives, you drive up to, to Bendigo a bit, don't you? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Every yeah. fortnight up to Bendigo, listening to the podcast. Right. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, keep keep you occupied. This one this one will run a nice long one for you. <laughs> might, might get all the way and back on this. I reckon. Some uh, some some special flavored uh, jelly beans there for you, mate. Just to yeah. chill. On the way, yes. and think of us while you're uh, yeah, while you're, you're yeah. munching down, and uh, and the old perennial favourite, the uh, uh, fruit tingles. Whoa, yeah, 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 nothing yeah. gets by without a fruit tingle. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, get a whole lot. No, that's lifesavers. <laughs> same, same, <laughs> same, same stuff. Same company, and of course a sticker, mate. So uh, uh, yes, that, put on the car. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's got to go on the, on ultrasound. the ultrasound. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, ultrasound. Yeah, 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 and yeah. if you get that new laser, we'll give you another sticker. Oh, you get, you get a second sticker. And one for the endoscope as well. Right. So how many we're looking here? Three, three, two, two more. Oh, hang on. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. No, we can do the three, but you know what? It'd be quite good. Imagine um, the camera going down and then seeing the sticker <laughs> lining on the inside of a, of a dog's stomach. Now that that would be marketing. That'd be got to get that. The camera going down the. <laughs> and the <laughs> All right, and of course the piece de resistance, mate. I know you've been hanging out for this. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure this is the only reason you came on the show. But the uh, the the t- the official merchandise, the two vets talk pets t-shirt, mate, uh, to be worn when you're out driving the car. You know, it's got nice long sleeve on it, so you don't look getting the taxi driver tan there. And uh, when you got your arm out the window, you're driving those long drives, so uh, could work as a scrub top too. I reckon. You know, where when you're out working around the clinics, clean. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I- I think this is why I've sort of done the whole interview without a T-shirt on. I've been waiting for the, <laughs> the, the, pod, the, the T-shirt to come so I can, you know, I thought, I'm hoping you'd give it to me at the start and I could, 
<laughs> you wouldn't have to look at my bare tummy the whole time. Well, that's right. Yeah, it has been getting very awkward. You know? <laughs> it was the, was the thing Robbie and I hadn't, hadn't been worried to touch on, but we thought, <laughs> oh, we'll let him go with it. <laughs> so, look, thanks very much, mate, for, uh, for, for coming on the show today. And, and so if um, you know, there are vets out there or even, even pet owners out there that, uh, that, that want to find you or even get in touch with you, you know, maybe they want to have, have just have a chat with you or, or um, you know, find a bit more about your services, where can they find you? Yeah, hop online. There's a website. So it's insightmvd.com.au or check out the socials. I've got the Facebook page going, Insight Mobile Veterinary Diagnostics. So yeah, hop on there, uh, check check me out or speak to your local vet and, and they're welcome to give me a call and get me in too. And we'll have the uh, all your details in the show notes as well so you guys can just click on there and just follow it through to uh, Clint's website and stuff. So uh, thanks a lot, mate. It's been uh, been awesome. I've had, had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been excellent. I reckon we should have you back again. What do you reckon? Absolutely. Yeah, it's been great. been really good. And we are recording today as well for everyone who's listening. So uh, we're going to see if we can technologically work that out, how to put it on uh, YouTube, I guess. Yeah, is, yeah, is yeah, video. Is that what I said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I said recording. Yeah, no, video recording. <laughs> I bloody hope you've been recording it, mate. You, know, <laughs> uh, you press the button. <laughs> All righty, mate. Thanks so much, Clint, for coming on, and, uh, and we'll see you on the road, mate. Thank you very much. Well, mate, how about that, eh? Good fun. Fantastic. His knowledge on all things medicine, phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, it was really, really good to be able to get Clint in. You know, he's, uh, um, he, he's told us that he's been listening to the show quite a bit, so he's been uh, toeing in a Roman sandal to get on. So it was really good to get him on and uh, went so well, I reckon we might try and uh, hit him up again uh, next year. Totally agree, mate. I reckon, you know, he, I reckon he's almost your triple threat, you know. He's, he's smart. He's funny and he's a great cook too. There you go. Yeah, triple threat. So sorry, ladies, he's taken. Yeah, is he? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah, good. All right. Okay. We might edit <laughs> that bit out. <laughs> well, no, I haven't seen him on Tinder, so yeah, I guess oh, he's. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing on Tinder? <laughs> yeah, busted there, mate. Shout out to Christina. Hey, Christina, everything's all right. He's all fine. <laughs> It's just the second episode of two, and he's yeah. just like, it's getting a bit loose. Uh, but no, oh, it's it great. You're right. We should line Clint up again. I reckon yep. he's got he's got an amazing brain on him. But if you nice need some, dude too, yeah, so if you need some extra diagnostics done on your pet, or or perhaps if you're a vet in practice or a vet nurse, got a lot of vet nurse and vet listeners, you need a bit of extra advice on a difficult case. Give Clint a call. Yeah. Perhaps not so much if you're one of the seven listeners in Madagascar. Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, Insight MVD is going to make it out to Madagascar. Yeah, no. it's it's, it's uh, the website is .com .au, So yes. I'm pretty sure that's Australian. Based. Yeah, yeah, that's the Australian S handle. So uh, Atto Bolden in Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. Look, at perhaps not. Yes, but if you're in Melbourne, Australia, I think he might be able to help you out. Be able to give you give you a bit of a help. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, so fantastic. Now next week, this is our last episode before Christmas, everyone. So Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yes, and then of course next week we'll get hopefully we'll get one in just before New Year's Eve. Yes, so I think new, uh, next week I'll talk about uh, a fireworks I reckon and, and a big big topic for New Year's Eve and yep. how to protect and look after your pets during the fireworks that occur during that time of year. Sounds good, mate. Excellent work. Alrighty, so um, if anyone would like to uh, support us, we l 
love uh, uh, getting support from our listeners. Um, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That yeah. really helps. Get bumps us up our uh, uh, the uh, on the charts, which then means that iTunes puts uh, our podcast in front of other people. Yep. So, like, more people from Madagascar and Trinidad and Tobago <laughs> and all those sorts of places. So That's um, really the market we're pushing to, isn't it, mate? Yeah. The niches. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Or the, the, go Fringe. And then go hard into inside. That's oh, I like thing, it. Eh? You are an entrepreneur. Oh, that's you, that's yeah. You've got to be these yeah. days, Lewis. It, you've got to be. Exactly. When you do the Facebook ads, we always go, uh, you know, uh, pet owners in Madagascar, you know. Oh, and, and Between Ukraine the Angels. And, yeah. and Estonia. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Romania. Romania. Yeah. Big, big Vampires. Uh, yes. Yeah. Vampire um, lovers in Romania and Madagascar. And Mongolia. Yeah. We don't spend a lot of money. It's good. It's yeah. good with those ads. <laughs> Um, but if you do want to give us some money to help, no, um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Patreon's another way that you can uh, support the podcast. Yeah, Go Patreon. to patreon.com. Yes. Uh, look for Two Vets Talk Pets uh, for a little as $2 a month. That's uh, you know, 50 cents a podcast. You guys can help to uh, support us. Um, you know, bandwidth and that sort of stuff we've got to pay for to help to keep the podcast running. Yep. So yep. Um, if you sling us a little bit of cash, we'll swing you a sticker and you can stick it on your car or your sup or your pigeon or, you know, your Whoa. kid, whatever. You can use it to try and stop a leak in a, in a drain pipe, I guess. Well, they are you know, waterproof, we found out. That's well, great. For a little while, yeah. Yeah, yeah they do <laughs> all right. Yeah. Oh, it's come off your sup now, has no, it? Not yet. Still there? Not, Good not yet, but it's, but it's not trying to stop water from coming out of a pipe, though, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to put a gaffer tape around that as well. A gaff on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah gaff yeah. and then the sticker. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. Um, and uh, otherwise, send us an email uh, at twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Um, or you might find us uh, eating a chocolate mousse cake. Yes, all the all the leftovers of it, which we're going to get into right now. Oh, I am. I'm currently licking my fingers and running it around the bowl, trying to get the last of that mm. chocolate mousse cake because it was divine. It was. So, if you want the recipe, hit up, hit up, click. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd love that. An email from everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Hit him on his Facebook page and say, Clint, uh, what's that recipe for that chocolate yeah. mousse cake? Why is my dog walking around in a circle? And how do you make a chocolate mousse cake? <laughs> Fantastic. Alrighty, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist and more importantly as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals lives be sure to thank them with a five star review on iTunes every time you do a small cute animal will receive a cuddle <laughs>